This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Right now, though, we're going to be talking about income levels as they've got some new data out here. Also, the federal stimulus. What kind of an impact is that having on how much money people are spending Brian Westbury is here, Chief Economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Brian, uh, consumer spending, we did have a lot of stimulus checks. What's happening with consumer spending? Are people actually spending that money? (laughs) Cisco, it's great to be with you. And, you know, uh, the economic data uh, that uh, we just heard about for the month of, uh, of March and actually going into April and May as well is going to look just as good as this week's weather in Chicago. It's and and it and it is as you uh, suggested coming a lot from stimulus today personal incomes for the month of march were up 21% from february that's the the highest on record that we have but 95% of that came from the government stimulus checks a lot of that went into savings uh, the savings rate jumps jumped to almost 27%. That's pretty much a record high, too. We had one that was bigger last year. Uh, but the bottom line is we, we have to be a little careful when we look at these numbers. Yes, the economy is opening up. Yes, that is creating more jobs and income. But a lot of the big numbers that we're seeing today are really just, they're, they're kind of fanciful. We borrowed from the future to get through the pandemic. So these are these are not numbers that we should get used to. Well, and that's, I, I guess, a, a word of warning, right? Because if there yeah. are no more stimulus checks, then is the economic growth that we're seeing now, I mean, is that sustainable even over the next year? Yeah, well, great question. And, you know, 21% in a month, that's not sustainable. But I do believe as we open up the economy, you know, underneath all of this kind of hidden in these huge numbers is that uh, private sector wages and salaries. So this would be people working and receiving a paycheck. We're up 1.1% in the in the month of March. And that that's huge. I mean, that's big growth. And it reflects opening up of the economy. And so as long as we keep opening up, as long as we don't shut down again, the stimulus will fade away. But what we'll be left with is an economy that is recovering nicely from the pandemic last year. Yeah, it sounds almost silly to talk about this, given what we've gone through the last year. But is there a risk of overheating the economy with stimulus and a bunch of businesses getting back to it? Yes, absolutely, Cisco. And one way to talk about this is just the, the kind of really simple. And that is when you borrow from the future to spend today, so you boost spending, but at the same time you close down businesses, which reduces uh, uh, supply. So you have more demand and less supply. That causes, and we've also printed 
a lot more money. The money supply is up 24% in the past year, and that will turn into inflation. In fact, in the last six months, we've seen inflation numbers uh, well over 2% on their way to over 3% in the next couple of months. And that will worry the Fed. And I think that's one of the things that's bothering the market today, the stock market. Uh, people are worried that the Fed might lift rates before 2023. You know, where they've said we're not going to raise rates. But if inflation picks up, they're going to have to. Thanks so much. Good insight. Brian Westbury, he's the chief economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Just ahead, preparing for a farewell season at Arlington Park. What will most likely be the final season of horse racing at Arlington Park is underway today. Tony Petrillo joining us, President Arlington International Racecourse. It's in Arlington Heights. Uh, Tony, kind of give people, and let's talk to the people who've never been to a live race. Maybe they've seen it on TV or at an OTB or something like that. Just kind of help them understand, what is the in-person race experience like? Well, when you see the horses come out on the track, you really get the feeling of the pageantry of the race, and you just really feel the electricity in the air because as the horses come out, you can see they are race ready to go. They know what their job is, and that translates into the crowd, and that energy is translated into the crowd, and you feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up and on your arms. And, uh, you know, as you get the anticipation of loading them into the gate, you know, it's it's like the sprinters ready to, you know, jump out of the blocks for an Olympic sprint. Yeah, you feel it. You feel the horses running, yeah. which is, I mean, you not only hear it, you actually feel it. Yeah, you actually feel it. And then just the energy that's translated from person to person in the crowd. And especially when the horses come down uh, the, the stretch, you could hear the war beginning at the beginning you know, to the top of the stretch all the way down until they cross the finish line. It's like the wave, but it's a wave of sound of cheers. Talk to us about what it is like in a pandemic. I mean, what, what can people expect when they come through the gate? Well, we have uh, hand, sanitizing, hand sanitizing stations. We're asking everyone to, uh, to wear their mask, wash their hands, but they're going to see a lot of social distancing uh, between the tables and the chairs and, uh, you know, there's a lot of more open space in between those areas. They're going to see a lot of the executive box seats closed off so we can maintain the social distancing. And then just a lot of markers on the floors are asking people to you know, or remind them to watch your distance. When people get in there, too, how many races do they see? I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, nonstop every two minute racing. And yet you do really get to see a bunch of different races. We have eight rate live races, and then we'll have one uh, additional race today uh, in our uh, regular program of racing, the Kentucky Oaks, that will be broadcast. But there are other TV monitors where you can watch races from all across the country. But every 25 minutes, you see the horsepower come out of the gate and go down the stretch. What does Derby Day look like at Arlington Park? Oh, Derby Day is just a fantastic day here. We have mint juleps. This is the largest Kentucky Derby party outside of Louisville. On a, in a normal year, we would have 28 to 32,000 people here, but we're limited to 4,500 this year. We're glad to have that. We only had 300 last year, uh, but we're sold out for tomorrow. So, you know, it's going to be very exciting because uh, when, you know, you only have 300 people, it's not that loud when the horses are out on the track, but Tomorrow, people will be here with their fedoras on, their bow ties, and girls in their hats and pretty dresses. It's it's really a spectacle to see with all the color and the fashion. Is there a little nostalgia given the fact that, I mean, you're, you're going to be racing somewhere else, but probably not right there in Arlington Heights after this season? 
Yeah, we don't know what the future holds, but, you know, we're very excited to be open this year. And, you know, uh, send us your photos, hashtag uh, Arlington Memories, because that's what this year is all about. It's coined the final turn and uh, about revisiting memories and making new memories. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Tony Petrillo, president of Arlington International Racecourse. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The latest quarterly results from Amazon and Twitter paint different pictures. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Uh, Michael, always good to have you on the show. So uh, it seems like Amazon's knocking it out of the park and Twitter not so much. Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks again for having me on. You know, it is a, definitely a tale of two companies going in two different directions. You've got Amazon really running on all cylinders. Uh, stock's only up 1% today, but that's because it, I think this report was was uh, definitely uh, already predicted by the markets um, because of some of the other tech earnings that had come out earlier. It's up 8% for the year, and it's at its all-time high. Uh, they reported earnings of 15.79 a share versus 954 expected. Uh, they just blew away estimates. And sales of 108.5 billion versus 104.5. So, and that's up 40% year on year. So this company is still growing at 40%, even though it's, a, it's a, almost a $2 trillion valued, uh, valued company. It's an incredible story. Uh, I don't see any weaknesses right now. The pandemic uh, definitely after they solved their supply issues, which, which, which was a major problem. But once they got those in order, they've clearly benefited from the pandemic because it's accelerated consumers to using online shopping. And uh, you see it in their numbers. It's an incredible story. And yet on Twitter, you know, their, their stock is kind of getting hammered today. And it's all because of uh, subscribers. And going forward, they don't necessarily expect it to improve much in the short term. Yeah, you give give Dorsey credit. He's at least being honest here. Uh, the stock's down 13% today. It's still up for the year a couple percent, um, but they reported, you know, uh, $0.16 cent earnings versus 14 uh, Those numbers and the, and the sales number was basically right on. But the, the active users was basically what was expected, and the problem is is everybody expected it to be a better than expected. <laughs> so if that made sense to you, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is, is everything, uh, you know, the, the whisper numbers for these active users was much higher than the expectation. And so when they came in right at expectations, they sold the stock off pretty hard. Uh, and then guidance for, for next quarter is below expectations. Uh, guidance for revenue was $1.03 billion versus $1.06. It's not a big uh, a disappointment, but again, these companies, every one of their competitors is growing much faster. Facebook, Snap, a Amazon, YouTube, all their ad sales are much better. So you have to think about, well, was, was some of this like a Trump hangover? You know, they did do a lot of censorship and, and made some decisions there on, on effect, you know, affecting user engagement. Did that affect the numbers? I don't know. But I think whenever you get political, I think it's negative for the company. And I think Jack Dorsey's decisions are showing up in the numbers now. Now, will they be able to bounce back? Certainly they can. But I think uh, you have to question some of the, some of the, uh, you know, some of the decisions he made on censorship. And I think that shows up in why Twitter is lagging everybody else in their numbers. Okay, very briefly here, because we got to get to Bloomberg, Amazon stock, $3,500 a share. What do you say to a newer investor who just goes, that's totally out of my league? 
Well, you, you know, buy one share, you know, and I would say that it trades at four times sales, which is the cheapest of all the FANG companies. So even though the stock price in a dollar term is high, it is, it is one of the cheapest big tech companies there is in the world. Good advice. Thank you so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Biden administration is updating coronavirus vaccination numbers while encouraging more people to get their shots. The U.S. sends critical supplies to help battle the pandemic in a desperate India. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet a magician and mind reader looking forward to a return to live shows after going virtual during the COVID crisis. And Immersive Art Museum in Chicago reopens with brand new touchless experiences and enhanced safety measures on the markets the dow down 160 the nasdaq is down 71 and the s p is down 23 points oil is down two percent we have sunshine in chicagoland it's going to be here throughout the day and throughout the weekend today's highs in the 50s over the weekend we'll get in the 80s right now it's 51 degrees the white house says 100 million americans have been fully vaccinated against covid19 but coronavirus Virus Response Coordinator Jeff Zenz admits there is work to be done to deal with vaccine hesitancy. We know uh, this next phase won't be easy, um, but neither was getting to 220 million shots in arms in the first 100 days. A number of states have recently seen significant drops in the number of people getting COVID shots. The first U.S. flight carrying oxygen cylinders, rapid diagnostic kits, N95 masks and other supplies has arrived in the territory of Delhi as India posted another record daily rise in coronavirus cases. The country is reporting more than 386,000 new cases today, while deaths from COVID have jumped by nearly 3,500 over the past 24 hours. The official death toll stands at just over 200,000. Public health experts believe the actual number is more than a million. It's 12:32. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are lower. The Dow down 156. The Nasdaq down 74. The S&P down 22. That's actually a little better than earlier this morning. Let's see what's going on. Vahan Janjigian is here, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, we're having a bit of a sell-off. Uh, it's not to be... Uh... You know, it's not a surprise. Uh, I think there's a little bit of uh, profit-taking going on. Um, but overall, I, I have to say I am a little bit concerned about the market, um, you know, for three reasons, actually. Uh, first of all, I think valuations are really extended. Um, and uh, I'd like to look at the the Schiller uh, cyclically adjusted price-earnings ratio, and, and that is uh, currently around 37, and it's at the highest level it's been since the dot-com boom in the late 1990s, 2000. So, so that concerns me. I'm also very worried about um, all this uh, government stimulus and the amount of debt uh, as a consequence. Uh, total public debt now is close to 130% of GDP, which is, uh, which is huge. Um, and then I also think investors are being a little bit too complacent about inflation. Um, I think that we are going to have inflation. I think um, I'm a little bit concerned about the Fed uh, saying that uh, they're going to allow inflation to go up 
uh, above 2% per, per, 2% before they even think about uh, acting, uh, I'm afraid they might end up being uh, behind the curve. So these three things kind of worry me that maybe the market has gotten ahead of itself. It's interesting with the prices because you, you've seen a bunch of money flooding the market, some of it's stimulus money, some of it's other money, and, and people are buying stocks, driving up the prices, which makes it more difficult for investors that are trying to be traditional investors by actually going based on how a company's doing. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I'm a little bit concerned that, uh, you know, the younger generation of investors are acting more like uh, gamblers rather than investors. Uh, you know, some of them are taking the stimulus money and just putting it into the stock market, um, and they're buying uh, stocks based on what they're reading on Reddit, for example, instead of doing actual valuation analysis and trying to buy things that, you know, are value-priced and uh, will generate cash flows over the long term. So, so yeah, that, that really does concern me. And inflation, I mean, I guess talk about how that, you, you, you basically, you're losing your value of your portfolio, even if the number stays the same, your dollar means less. Correct. Now, of course, the, the big problem we've had in recent years is, is uh, no inflation, and no inflation is just as bad as uh, too much inflation. So a little bit of, of inflation is a good thing, and that's why the Fed has been trying to get uh, inflation to get up to its uh, 2% target. Um, however, uh, I'm concerned that the, that the Fed may be too slow to act, uh, and we may end up getting uh, well around 3% or even higher before the Fed starts uh, raising the Fed funds rate. Of course, the Fed doesn't have as much control over the long end of the curve, um, and that could get out of hand. And if you see long-term rates rising, uh, then you could see the stock market selling off, especially uh, in the tech sector, because these are the kinds of stocks that um, have cash flows that are far out into the future. And when you discount them at a higher interest rate, the present value by definition is much smaller. Talk about tech a little bit. You, you got Amazon, Twitter reporting. People think tech, and they lump everyone into the same category, but not all tech stocks are created equal. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, you could pretty much make the argument these days that, that that every company is a tech company because every company uses technology. Um, you know, Amazon is a, is actually a retailer and a cloud business. Um, and Amazon is doing uh, perfectly fine. Uh, it's generating huge cash flows. And, of course, we saw that report uh, yesterday, and the stock is uh, is reacting accordingly. So, uh, you know, some tech companies generate a lot of cash flows. Apple generates a lot of cash flows. You could even make a case that, you know, Apple is, uh, is undervalued. Um, but there are other tech companies. Uh, you know, the one I always point to is uh, is Tesla which is, uh, you know, more valuable now than most other car makers all put together, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You have Facebook and Twitter, and Apple is going to make it a little more difficult for them to get as much user data as they've been used to, which seems like it's going to make their advertising model suffer. Well, of course, that's that's true, and, that, and they do rely on, uh, on revenues from, from ads. Uh, there's all these concerns about privacy. Uh, the government is trying to crack down on what these companies are doing. Uh, even the uh, European Union is cracking down. So it is going to be more difficult for them to conduct business uh, in the future as they have in the past. Thanks so much for all the analysis, Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management. Just ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, making a magic act work during a challenging time for live shows. Investing 60 minutes each weekday toward planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. This afternoon, we're exploring the world of magic with a third-generation performer. 
Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Dennis Watkins, magician and mind reader here in Chicago. Uh, Dennis, pre-pandemic, help us to understand what you were doing at the Palmer House. Oh, you bet. My work pre-pandemic lived in two si—excuse uh, me, two silos, the first of which was the Magic Parlor at the Palmer House, a close-up magic and mind-reading show that had been running there for nearly eight years, but a total of 10 years here in Chicago. And we did about 250 shows a year at that hotel downtown. So then you have that as your norm. The pandemic hits, everything gets shut down, and you have a choice either you know do, do nothing, essentially have no income, or pivot. Tell us how you pivoted. That's right. So, of course, I had a big moment of panic. Uh, And thinking that this pause we would take from in-person performances would be much shorter than it's turning out to be, of course, my team decided to do a little bit of virtual programming, which is something we had never done. And we launched a live stream back in uh, late March of last year, thinking, uh, what an interesting idea. Well, we'll try to do some Facebook lives and bring some people in. And it got a good bit of attention. We had a lot of viewers. And after we did that, we started moving towards producing what I think of as a more professional virtual work, right? Um, those live streams on Facebook were one thing, but we really, that was our first foray into it. And we really wanted to amp it up and provide our clients and ticket buyers with something exciting and professional and fun and, and find a great way to share magic during this rather uh, constricted time of isolation. So now as we're starting to, uh, I mean, I hate to say get back to normal, but things are starting to open up. Do you foresee a future in which the fact that you had to go online now gives you another option for your magic shows? Or are you just going to go back to just in person? I imagine that the virtual work is going to stick around for a while. You know, having not participated in that realm prior to the pandemic, I was terrified of it. And it took a long time for us to create a product that I think the whole team really stands behind. But since April of last year, we've executed about 500 virtual performances for ticketed audiences and corporate clients all over the world. And I think that the work's going to stick around. I think people are hungry for in-person entertainment, and that silo of the work uh, is probably going to shift back to in-person. But I think private events and corporate events and other kinds of virtual gatherings, I think they're going to be here for a while, even if it is in some sort of hybrid format. Talk about the difference in online versus in person when it comes to what you do, the actual tricks that you do. Because it seems like some, uh, you, you just have to be in the room in order for them to really have their impact. Well, you think so, right? And one of the goals that we had when we started engineering the virtual shows is that it had to be as interactive as an in-person performance. Our audience shouldn't log in and feel like they're watching Netflix or YouTube. They should feel like they are part of the magic from the beginning To the end. So we had to create uh, pieces and and choose material that could get interaction with the audience from, you know, across the globe, frankly. And today we have really remarkable tools at our disposal that, of course, my grandfather, who was my teacher, would have never had. And we've learned to leverage them in a way to to replicate the in-person experience as closely as possible. We put the audience up in the screen with me. I can show you the gallery view so you can celebrate each other when you do something magical. But you're right. That's the goal. And that's the tricky part of this kind of work is making it feel as live and uh, um, in person as it can possibly be, despite the limitations of not being in the same space. So talk to other uh, entrepreneurs here, maybe a word of advice on pivoting when things change, because, I mean, it's not just a pandemic. Entrepreneurs have to do that all the time to stick around. Well, amen to that. And, you know, this was a this was a pivot that 
that we felt really forced into early on. And I know a lot of entertainers who waited to try and tip their uh, dip their toe in the water of the virtual work. And um, thankfully, our team did it right at the beginning. We did that right at the beginning because of necessity. We had just made some big investments in the program when everything got shut down, and we needed to be able to keep working very, very strongly. A pause just wasn't an option. And the advice that I would have is as soon as there's a viable option that is in some way exciting to you, that you pursue it. Because if we hadn't, if we hadn't turned so quickly and if we hadn't dove right into it, uh, we wouldn't have been able to book 500 events in the last 12 months, let alone execute them. Right. It was all, uh, thankfully I was pushed by our team to, to jump in there as quickly as possible. And I think that's what made all the difference. Oh, thanks so much. Good advice and insight and really good to just hear a little bit about your story. That's Dennis Watkins. He's a magician and mind reader based here in Chicago. That is Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come, a Chicago museum with a new way to experience art. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The always changing Wonder Museum on West Monroe, reopening with new, unique installations. We welcome Ashley Vogel, creative manager at Wonder Museum here in Chicago. Ashley, it's good to have you on the show. So, help people to understand here an immersive art experience, help them to understand what this is going to be like. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we just reopened recently um, in the West Loop Wonder Museum. We are an immersive art and technology experience. We have thought-provoking interactive installations and a lot of the art you activate yourself. Um, you create the art just by your movement and gestures and um, you really become part of the experience. And is that different than pre-pandemic? Did, did you have to make some changes in order to continue to have an immersive experience without everyone touching everything? Absolutely. So over the past year, we completely reimagine the experience. Um, the experience before the pandemic was all touch. You um, basically touch buttons and everything in the museum to activate it, but now we have no touch throughout the whole museum. You originally, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by your story because originally this was just supposed to be a pop-up, you know, where it's there for a little while and then it's gone and it clicked in the neighborhood and, and so it's now become a permanent part of the neighborhood. It has, yeah. So we we were founded as a pop-up, but we saw that this type of experience was something that people in the community were looking for. So we were fortunate enough to become part of the Chicago, Chicago cultural fixture here, and we are ever-evolving. So um, people who have been here before, you won't, won't see what you did at your previous experience. And yet, that's, that's just basically the way things are going to go, right? I mean, nothing, whether it's a museum or otherwise, is going to be exactly the same. Exactly, especially now and even moving forward. Now, that is Ashley Vogel, creative manager at the Wonder Museum, a new immersive experience. You actually get to be a part of making the art there. That's the Wonder Museum on West Monroe here in Chicago. If you miss any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There is a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, O'Reilly.